If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're on our sixth lesson. We'll have one more lesson concerning the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, then we'll be done with this series. And uh, so just excuse my throat if it gets a little hoarse tonight. Uh, it, you know, it, that's the season that we're in, I guess. But uh, we're going we're gonna to talk on this verse of Scripture in verse number 12, if you'll look there. Verse number 12. The Bible says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's go back up to verse number 9. We're talked about in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want us to look at this, and, uh, and probably what I ought to do is really really talk about, about this subject tonight on a Sunday morning, really, uh, because it's a, it's, it's, some of it is a little deep, uh, but probably every one of us could, could use uh, some of the teachings, I guess, and some of the things that the Lord is trying to talk to us here concerning forgiveness. How many ever has ever heard that word before, Forgiveness. How many of you ever have used that word before? Practiced forgiveness. How many had to forgive somebody or you just, or somebody had to forgive you and all those kind of things? And uh, whether you're a Christian or not, there's always issues that always comes around, isn't there, in, in our lives where we have to look at this word forgiveness. And one thing you've got to remember is as far as the Christian, we'll just look at it as far as who we are tonight. If, if we want to grow, we need to understand that growth is the key to our Christian walk. We have to continue to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you must grow as a Christian. You must grow as a person. I don't believe that God expects you to stay where you are when you, when you give your heart to the Lord. I believe that in a process of time, you've got to continue to grow with Him. You've got to grow with Him. And sometimes we have to get in this area of forgiveness in order to help us to grow. We have to practice that. Forgiveness is not an easy thing, is it? It's not an easy thing at all, but we have to get to that place in order for us to grow in our Christian walk. Every one of us has struggles. And many of, of those struggles actually keep people out of church and away from the only source of real help that's available to them in the area of, of forgiveness. And you'll find out what I'm talking about in just a little bit. In the area of trespasses, how, how are we dealing with those things? How are you as a Christian? How, how are you as a man or a lady or God's woman and man? How, how are you dealing in the area of trespasses? We've all, every one of us, if we're truthful, we've all had people hurt us. We've all had people sin against us. And so it's not a question of who, uh, if, if I was to ask you to raise your hands, it's not a question of who's ever been hurt before. The question is who here, who here is, is, is needing set free from this area of forgiveness in their life. Because, uh, you know, and, and as I said, this is not an easy subject. It's a, it's a tough subject at times. It's a deep subject at times. But depending on how we were offended, sometimes depend on how well we can forgive or how we can't forgive. You, know, you understand what I'm talking about? Depending on how deep the wound is. And I'm not here to debate whether the wound is deep or not deep. We all know the wound sometimes is deep, right? When you're hurt, you're hurt. That's just all there is to it. And so we, we recognize that. But we want to look and see what the Scripture has to say and how do we deal with it as God's people in the area of forgiveness. Uh, I want to look at this from, from two or three different angles. I want to look at, I want you to say this, use this word, say this word with me, freedom. Freedom. We want to look at freedom for your soul. Freedom for your soul. We want to look at also freedom for the offender, the one that offended you. But also we want to look at freedom or freeing God's grace that he can come into your life and how to keep the freedom that God has blessed you with when he set you free, when he saved you, all of those kind of things. Uh, let's go back just a little bit. Now we know deep hurt leaves deep scars. Leaves deep scars. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. It's a hard thing. Forgiveness is... Uh, uh, it, it's tough. It, it, it's hard uh, for us as individuals 
to, 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 to in the area of the forgiveness, especially when you're in a long-term relationship with family, especially when you're in a long-term relationship with friends. Even work relationships have been plagued with, uh, with uh, past troubles and all of those kind of things that, uh, that we've been tormented by fears of rejection, tormented by fears of humiliation, all of these things, distrust, all of these things. We've been tormented sometimes by this. So how are we going to deal? How are we going to work around this person? I can't, I can't stand this person because they offend me, they've done this, they've done that, so it's hard for me to get around with them. Well, l- let's get down to where we are, and this is, this is where it gets a little a, a sticky, Brother Adam, it gets tough for us. How are, we being, how are we being effective as a soul winner when we can't love the person that we're around? How are we being effective as, as God's person when, we're, when we have to be around that person? And I know we can debate this back and forth, but when we look at the Scripture, how are we being effective when we have to be around that particular person that we may not want to hang around all the time? Now, I don't want to ask you to show your hands. I'll just, I'll just use my hand language tonight, if that's all right. I know people that, Toby, I'm just going to be honest with you, some people I just don't like to hang around. Is that okay? Just It doesn't mean that, that I don't love them. It could mean I don't like them. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't love them. Hello. How many, how many has people, don't raise your hand, how many, people, how many has had people in your life that really just rubs you the wrong way? Just, you just read this, rubs you the wrong way. And that's really the fact of life. That's, that's, that's who we are as people. And God made us all different. We're not going to do the same thing always together. We're different. We see things differently. And so sometimes when people hurt us, those deep hurts leave deep scars. Leave deep scars. It hurts to forgive. It costs to forgive when you think about it. It costs to forgive. I'm not talking about your wallet. Talking about your emotions, your feelings. It costs to forgive. We have to give up on seeing the other person because really as a human, as a human being, all we want to do is take out what? Revenge on that person. We want to get them back, so to speak, because of what they've done for us. And so, and so we, it's hard we, to, to give up on, that, on seeing that other person punished and letting God take care of those things instead of us take care of it. The Bible says in verse 12, Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I don't know about you, but what that tells me is God apparently knew that I was going to offend somebody at some point in time. Lord, help me to forgive us of our debts. Forgive us the things that, I, that, I, that I've done. Maybe I don't even know that I've done, but I've offended somebody or hurt somebody as we forgive our debtors. And so let's look at this. We want to, we want to look at first of, about freedom Freeing who we are, about freeing our soul. We, we become imprisoned, if you're not careful, in your own unforgiveness. You become prison. You become a prisoner to those, to those emotions that you have on the inside. You've got to realize that the offense has bound you. It's, it's basically, when you look at this from a, from a spiritual standpoint, it's wrapped chains around you. Because you don't have freedom because you, you can't be free because of the offender that you're around all the time or, or the offense that's been done to you. They're not suffering. Understand, you, you've got to know this. That other person is not suffering because of what they did to you. You're the one suffering. Have you ever noticed that, that when, when somebody hurt your feelings or, or they've done something to offend you, it seems like they just happy-go-lucky. It seems like they don't worry about it at all. And the truth is, they don't. You're the only one that's offended by that. You're the only one that says, I can't believe they're acting like that. They know what they've done to me. Oh, it just eats me up. It just tear, you know, and you're on and on. And it, just, it begins to eat at you, and it, and, it, and it begins to take root in us. And what we're talking about, if, if we're going to have freedom in the body of Christ, we've got to learn how to let go of some of those things. I'm not saying we've got to forgive in the sense that they don't recognize and we've let them off of everything. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because the offense has been done. But there are ways that you and I as a Christian, we can deal with this in order for you and I to be free from that burden that, we, that the enemy wants us to carry. Matter of fact, look here. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, Paul warns us about this. He said, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Think about that scripture. I want you to see to it. In other words, be attentive to this. 
Be vigilant about this. See to it that, that, that no one falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled through this. You can become imprisoned by their trespass. It's a spiritual law that when you become unforgiving, you become what you hate. If you become unforgiving, you become what you hate. Think about that just a little bit. And it's true. It really is true. Innocent people are hurt. Family members are hurt. How many of you spouses have ever done this? Karen done me this way just the other day, and I wasn't really upset with anybody. I just had one of those. You ever just had one of those moods? Maybe confession is good for the soul, Brother John, tonight. I'm confessing. I had one of those moods in my life, and Karen said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. Just leave me alone. But you ever notice when you're in one of those moods or that unforgiving spirit that it affects those that you love. It affects others that you hang around. It affects those, those people that you're not wanting to offend, but they're wondering, well, what did I do, Lord? You better not talk to them. You know, what, what did I do about, about innocent people or hurt? I read a story about this guy in New York City by the name of Joseph, Joseph Richardson. This guy was a millionaire, they said. Mr. Richardson owned a narrow plot of land in the midst of a number of houses. This lot was only five feet wide. And so he wanted to sell it to the people that lived on either side of this lot. And so he determined the selling price. And he went to those two, two families and he offered this piece of land to them. And they agreed to buy it, but they came back with a, with a counteroffer, a reduced price. Well, it got, he got, it got under his skin so bad, it made him so mad that he built a house on that piece of land. Five foot wide in New York City. Five foot wide, he built a house, he moved in the house, he set up his home. Because of his hatred, they said, for the people on either side of his small lot, he decided to ruin the look of the whole, of the whole area and he built this house. Mr. Richardson, when you think about this, condemned himself to a life of discomfort in a house because of his hatred. You ever known anybody like that before? <laughs> I see some nods, but it, I mean, when you really think about it, that's awful, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how you live in a five-foot house anyway, Keith. It'd take that much room for me to turn around, five foot wide. It was long, but I mean, just to turn around and think. And, and this house began to be called the spite house. The spite house. He built it in spite of those two people that would not agree to buy this piece of property that the, for the price that he set for. His intention was to be a thorn in the sides of those who refused to buy the land. His anger drove him to lash out and punish them in some way. But the only thing that he really did is punish himself. Now, this is what we've got to do concerning offenses. We have to first admit that offenses have occurred in order to do something about it. We've got to first admit that the offense has occurred. A real trick of the enemy is, is this. Let's just play this game of let's pretend that it happened. You ever done that before? Let's pretend that it happened or, or let's pretend that it didn't happen. It, it works either way. But that's a trick of the enemy. It's not a biblical thing. It's a denial. If you say that it really didn't matter, then there's no need for forgiveness. So if that's the case, then why are you stirred all the time? So we have to admit that the offense took place. Forgiveness many times is often misunderstood because it's significantly different and often confused with such things as ignoring the offense, trying to forget the offense, or either reconciling of the relationship or with the party or whatever. Forgiveness, understand that forgiveness is only appropriate when the offense has been committed and the offense has caused damage. Now, I've known folks in my life, and you probably have too, <coughs> where they just always like to be the, the uh, uh, what word am I looking for, a phrase I'm looking for. They, they like to be in the spotlight all the time. And if being in the spotlight means that that they say that you bothered them or you offended them or whatever, they'll do whatever it takes in order to get them in that spotlight. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It doesn't matter. They'll cross whatever bridge they have to cross. They'll cross whatever road they have to cross in order to be in the spotlight. Well, it's just poor me. They've done this to me. When really nothing was really ever done. 
And what we've got to do is, concerning forgiveness, we, 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 we do not need to ignore the reality of the offense, but we need to understand that if the offense really occurred, then that's when we need to recognize that and try to do something about that offense and, and, and not, not uh, meander, if you will, on things that really don't mean a hill of beans. Let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you, if you run me over with a truck, I'm not supposed to act like it's a scratch. On the other hand, if you just scratch me, I ain't supposed to act like you run me over with a truck. But have you ever met anybody like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're there. They're there. So I've got to be careful in how I, how I rate and, 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 and develop these offenses in my life in order so I can be free. I've met people that they feel like they can't accomplish nothing unless it's a struggle or an offense to them to accomplish something. Guilt them into it or whatever the case may be. And they're not living a life of freedom that God has intended for them to do. You've heard the expression, like water off a duck's back or thick skin. Those are valid ways to deal with every nor everyday normal scratches, if you will. Not, not run over by a truck things. And so we don't, need to, we don't need an intervention with the cashier just because the cashier is not polite to us. There's just some folk that's impolite in our world. Thank God you live in the South. You think you got it bad now? Go up to New York or one of them northern countries. I've heard that they're really rude. And so if you, take, if you need an intervention for things like that, then you'd stay in the psychologist's office all, every day up there because they're going to do something probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm just I'm meddling now. So, so, so we've got to be careful how we label and how we rate these offensive. Let me give you some disguises here for unforgiveness. Sometimes disappointment is, is, is an area of unforgiveness. Just because you're disappointed doesn't mean that somebody harms you or hurt you. Malice, anger, or rage... We, we often take this out on innocent family members. When something else maybe bothers, we often take it out on family members that we, don't, we really love, but they're the only ones we can take it out on because we know they're going to stay with us. So we've got to be careful about that. Prolonged sorrow over a tragedy can lead to unforgiveness toward God many times. I've saw that happen before, and you have too. Self-righteousness. Whether we have a victim mentality or not, every we've got this we've got this thought process that everybody is out to get me, everybody is out to get me. My anger is everybody else's problem. I blame instead. We we blame everybody instead of you taking responsibility for your own actions. Mental instability, unforgiveness can can look like a virtue in that we just want justice. In other words, man, you can see that on our television set every day right now. Think about all the shootings that we've had. Think about all the riots that we've had. Everybody just wants justice. You know what's aggravating to me about some of these things that we see on television? About family? Isn't it amazing that some of these guys that's been killed by police officers, and we'll just use that because it's so a hot topic in our, in our, in our news report. Some of these guys that's been killed by police officers in these, in these certain countries, the family will stay up and ask the people, said, please stop rioting. Please stop doing all these things that you're doing. It's not, it's not looking good on my family member that's deceased that we're trying to put together. Do you, are, are you seeing that? But yet there's people out there that just wants to take vengeance and they want to get justice their way. And they look at this from an unforgiveness standpoint and they look at this from, a, from, a, from, a, from a just a, a malice and, and all these kind of anger and rage that, that comes up. And most of the time the family members, even though they're hurt because this loved one has passed away and been killed, they're trying to stand up and say, please don't act like this. Almost every, every, every one of them that I've saw anyway, that's what they've done. They'll not understand. They can never enter into our shoes or your shoes. If they, just, if they could just understand what has been done to me, in other words. Those are all disguises of unforgiveness. Matthew 18 and 15 says this, if your brother or sister sins... The scripture gives us an understanding here. Look, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, then you've won them over. You've won them over. You don't have to go in an ugly attitude. You can go in a Christian attitude, a Christ-likeness attitude. But that's what the scripture tells us to do. And so if we want to have freedom from these things, we've got to understand that the freedom, we've got, we've got to be set free from this area of unforgiveness. Our soul has to be free. 
when you look at this from the freedom for the offender, now that's, this is something that we don't like to talk about a whole lot because we want, we want vengeance on that person. That's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing for you to choose to forgive. It's not an easy thing. Neil Anderson said this, says, don't wait to forgive until you feel like forgiving. He said, because you will never get there. Feelings that take time to heal after the choice to forgive is made. Feelings that, that feelings take time to heal, in other words, after the choice to forgive is made. So you, you can't wait till you feel like it, because I, I can tell you, you ain't going to feel like it. You just ain't going to feel like it. But you've got to choose to do that. Forgive. When you look at this word forgive, you can look at it from another term. This, this word forgive is a financial term. Simply means to cancel a debt. Something that, that you may have owed or whatever. Canceling a debt. The person, in other words, recognizes that the debt as such and makes the internal decision. That inside decision to release the offender from the indebtedness that they have toward them. Choosing to forgive is not a group thing. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. It's a powerful choice of the will, choosing to forgive. Now, I dare say that probably every one of us in here tonight, if we was really, if, if, if I could really dig deep into your subconscious, don't worry, I can't. But if I could, sorry to go, can't do that. But if I could really dig deep into your subconscious, I promise you there's some things in there that probably you've even tried to suppress and not even think about because of some past hurts and past offensives that people has placed upon you and placed in your life. You've just sort of ignored them until something comes up, a word is said, or somebody is seen. Or if you pass somebody in Walmart or whatever the case may be, and it always comes back up. Well, choosing to forgive is a personal thing. It's a powerful choice of the will. Choosing to release that offender. And it's another powerful thing even to confront the offense. It's a hard thing. The confrontation is for forgiveness. It's, it's, for, it's for reconciliation. It's to gain your brother. It's to gain your sister back. <clears throat> reconciliation and trust takes two. But forgiveness, when you think about it, forgiveness only takes one. Let me say that one more time. Reconciliation and trust takes two people. Have to reconcile. But then that person has to earn, their tru earn your trust back, right? But in the area of forgiveness, it only takes one. Because let's just say Brother Parker offended me, and we've, we've had this long feud basically going because of the offense that happened maybe five, ten years ago, all right? I can either do one or two things. I can still hold that against him, and in my life, I can't be free, not 100% not free in, in my worship, all of those kind of things. But if I choose to forgive him, it ain't got nothing to do with him. Are you following me? He can still feel the same way that he's felt all this time. It doesn't change what I've done. Are you following me? Because my choice, I'm going to forgive you. What you do with it is on your shoulders. And it's left up to him. It's left up to God. But in my part, my part is, is that God has come in and he's, he's delivered me from the offense. He's delivered me from the feeling that I have every time I get around Brother Parker. He's delivered me from that hold that the enemy would, would try to place upon my life. And he's allowed me to be free now because when I'm, when I'm around him, I don't have that same, that same uh, unforgiving spirit anymore. Because I've chosen to forgive. Again, it's got nothing to do with the other party. Or it's got nothing to do with the offender. Okay? Forgiveness takes only one. So that internal decision to forgive needs to be followed by an appropriate action. The scripture directs us to confront the offense. Spiritual wellness is connected to this, to this obedience in scripture. Look, look the, 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 the confrontation will depend sometimes on circumstances. There's been time, there may be times where you can, you can approach the offender and talk with them. If the offender is abusive, you may not want to approach the offender. I mean, that's just common sense. I don't even think the Lord has to act, talk to you about that. Right? You don't want to, you don't want to stir that up. So, so, so another area, there's been times where you can approach the offender. There may be other times where you may have to write a letter or whatever. 
There may be other times you have to do something else or a phone call. We live in the day and, uh, the day and time or a text message or whatever the case may be. But there's an appropriate action that we could take. We can confront it, and, 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 and hopefully the, the issue will be, will be resolved. Now, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen that way, but at least what you're doing is allowing the Lord to work through you and follow the Scripture, what He says, I'm going to release the offender. I'm going to forgive that offender. I'm not going to forget it in that sense, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release that. So we, we overcome, we overcome that fear that's associated. We overcome the, that thing that has crippled us, so to speak. Sharing the problem, many times with, with folks that you can depend on. Sharing the problem with good, confident individuals. Now, I want to stop right here long enough and say this. Our problem that we have today is that many times we, we pick people to share that information with that is not good confidence with us. Y'all know what I'm saying? Because they'll take the message that you give them and they'll go and tell somebody else and by the time it gets back to you, it's all out of proportion. And uh, trust me, it will get back to you. Matter of fact, I had this to happen here just about two or three weeks ago. Got information from, about something and I said, no, this, this, is not, this ain't so. I knew this was not so. So I just got on the phone. I said, you know, hey, just want to let you know this is the information I've got. I don't know how to talk to you about it. I'm just talking to you about it. You know? What's up? And they, they, they let me know this was not so and, and told me exactly what the story was. And, it, and I can't tell you how many times that happens within the body of Christ. And, 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 and I hope I'm wrong when, I'm, when I say this. But it seems like that the body of Christ is worse than the secular world about it. When we're supposed to uphold one another and love one another, care for one another, lock arms with one another, but it seems like that we live in a day that, that, we, that, that somebody's offended this and somebody's done this. We just want to know what's went on. We just want to listen to the latest gossip. That's what God is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to forgive and win our brother and win our, win our sister back. If all, if all, even if all attempts to, to reconcile fail, if everything that you've done fails, even then you still must forgive. In order to be free yourself. You've got to pay the price for forgiveness. The, other, the offender may not want to pay the price. It's okay. As I said, when I choose to forgive Brother Parker, it's, it, it's got nothing to do with Brother Parker. It's got everything to do with me and how I want me to feel in my walk with God, right? All right. There's another word I want you to, I want you to repeat after me. The word atonement. Atonement. Have you ever studied that word? Think about this word atonement. When you look at atonement, it's basically what Jesus done for us. It's basically what he, what he done for us. In other words, he, he, he allowing ourselves to suffer for the sin of another person. How many, were, how many in the room tonight, I, don't, I want you to raise your, raise your hands on this one. How many in the room tonight was born into sin? Let me see your hand. Okay, we have one. Two or three that wasn't born into sin. <laughs> Truth is, every one of us was. Every one of us was born into sin. We know because Scripture tells us that. We were sinners. And uh, the Lord had to save us. That's why Jesus came. But, that, but what he'd done for us, Brother Parker, that little word, atonement, that's what he'd done for us. He took our place. He atoned for us. He, 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 he suffered for us. How do you get payment for things that can't be replaced? Like cars, houses, whatever, lives, feelings. Christ atoned those things for us because you know, we couldn't pay ourselves. We, it, it was us that should have went to the cross. But Jesus went to the cross for us. He died for us so that we might have life and have life, the Bible says, more abundantly and live a life of freedom in him. Thank God for that. He atoned us. Forgiveness. You bear the cost instead of insisting on repayment. You bear the cost of that in, instead of insisting on retaliation or avenging who you are and what that person has done. Forgiveness stops payment on any check, any debt. Forgiveness stops payment on that. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question tonight, and you don't have to answer this, but have you ever, have you ever uh, reconciled with somebody? 
and, and you were able to, to embrace and you, and you felt so much better afterwards because of the forgiveness and because maybe a communication was not the way it needed to be and, and you, you got it settled in other words. The old account was settled long ago. You know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and didn't that make us feel better when we was able to hug one another's neck or shake somebody's hand and everything, when we left, that, when we left the party, everything was okay then because the load was lightened. The freedom returned. It wasn't in bondage anymore. Ephesians 4 and 31 says this, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And the Bible says in verse 32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. But Lord, you don't know what they've done to me. Yeah, he does. You don't know the offense they brought in my life. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. And he knows how it made you feel. But the point, he wants us to try to get to the place. We've got to grow enough with him and mature. We've got, to, we've got to let all this bitterness, we've got to let all this anger, we've got to let all this stuff that rages on the inside of us, that, that's what the enemy wants to happen. But we've got to choose to forgive. And the last point tonight is simply this. When we do that, then we allow ourselves to receive the grace of God. We allow ourselves to receive the grace of God. Unless you forgive, God can't forgive. Unless you forgive, God can't forgive. Now, if you, if you hadn't heard anything else tonight, then you need to write that down. Unless you forgive, God can't forgive. Now, that's hard. That's tough sometimes. Because the truth is, some of us has really been offended. And it's, and it's got nothing to do with us. It's all the other person. We've done, we've done nothing. But we've been offended. And the other people in the party is harmed, brought reproach, tried to take us out, in other words. And it's hard to deal with that. But we've got to get to the place where, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me here. Help me to choose to forgive, not allow that person or that, that feeling or that circumstance to weigh me down. And unless you deal with the issue, it remains hidden from a healing touch that God wants to give you. And when you and I decide for forgiveness... When we first make that decision, that's when healing begins right there. Healing will start beginning. Peter Marshall told of a story about, about, this, uh, about this little book called Keeper of the Springs. In this little book, he said there was a little town at the foot of the mountain. He said there was a man who was the keeper of the springs. He maintained the springs uh, of the city with pure cold water every day. He said one day the city council voted to decide to, de- to, to, uh, to uh, delete his position. The water springs were abandoned. The water quickly turned foul. The council soon met again and agreed to reinstate the keeper of the springs. Why is that? Because nobody was watching out after it anymore. How many knows if you don't, if you don't keep things cleaned out and the streams cleaned out, junk begins, to, junk begins to, to pile up. If you don't keep the well clean, the well gets murky. The well gets all kind of trash and stuff within that. Well, the Holy Spirit is the keeper of the springs of our heart. In our hearts, we have springs. We have, we, we have pools. And if left unclean, these pools will fill up and collect debris of all kinds that the enemy wants to bring in our life. And it will cause that water to spoil in our life. It's not any good anymore. He's the keeper of the emotional resources, if you will, that, of that water of our being. So we've got to identify the polluter. We've got to identify who it is, what it is, that's polluting the, 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 the coolness or the freshness of the water. And many times when you look at that, it's simply that little word. That's it's a long word called unforgiveness. That's what, that's, what, that's what clouds our water up. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us through the scriptures, causing us to reconcile, causing us to forgive, causing us to do whatever we have to do so that we can allow the word of God to take root instead of that bitterness in our life. When you look at forgiveness, forgiveness proves the work of Christ is active in your life. Because there's folks that said, you may have had this happen to you before. You know, said, I don't know how in the world you forgive that person. I would, I would have never done it. I don't know how in the world you, you let them just get by. It's, it's not you. It's the love of Christ in you. Because you understand what the Lord is trying to teach us. You understand, and you've studied that, but to somebody else, they don't, they don't get that. They don't get that process. 
And so it proves that God is working in our life, keeping, keeping our freedom, developing a life uh, of, with boundaries and all of those kind of things. Clearing the offensives. Clearing all of those things. There was a general one time that spoke to, to John Wesley, and he made this statement. He says, I never forgive and I never forget. John Wesley said, then, sir, I hope you never sin. <laughs> because the truth is, we all, we all have been there. We all have been there. So we've got to seek after God's healing. We've got to seek the healing of God. We've got to seek the healing of God. Let's say that, uh, uh, let's say that somebody hits your car and smashes the inside the side of it, but they don't have any insurance. They don't have any money to pay for it repair. You know, the, attitude, in the attitude of forgiveness, you say, well, I cancel your debt, in other words. That's what we're talking about here. They're forgiven. You're no longer tied to that person, but you still got the offense. You got a wrecked car. So you got to use your insurance now. And it's happened. It's probably happened to most of us in here before. You know? And so what, what do we do? We, 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 our anger, we can't allow our anger to get out, out of the way, but we live in a day and time to where, man, we just, we just, our anger just seems to fly off at the drop of a hat. I don't know, did, did, did they, did she put a video up there? No video, shoot. I, I asked Kim to put a, uh, a video, I don't know if she could find one. I'm sure you saw it this past uh, Black Friday. How many's ever watched those YouTube videos of where those folks get in fights in those stores over TVs and crock pots and microwaves and all of that? Have you saw those? Now, I've sat and watched many of those, and, and, you, and you laugh at those things sometimes. But then when you, the, the longer, Brandon, that I watch it, I'm thinking, how sad are we to fight over a $9 crock pot that we didn't want in the first place? But because it was a Black Friday special, and because it was piled up on a, on a pallet this high, and because there was people in line to grab, we felt we had to get in on the, and grab one ourselves. And that guy punched us. We got mad. We punched him back. And before long, we're down on the floor scuffling. Police is trying to separate us, and none of us got no crock pot. How crazy are we? We are. We're crazy. How many enjoys doing those Black Friday things? I'll be honest with yourself. You enjoy the thrill, the, the chase, and all of that. I don't, I don't do a lot of them, but some, I have went before just to stand back and watch, just to see how ignorant folk is. You can, it's entertainment sometimes, entertainment. But, but we got to be careful. We got to be careful. You know, we got we got to learn to pray for our enemies, not fight over a crock pot with them, or a microwave and things like that. The Bible talks about pray for your enemies, bless them. Don't curse them, bless them. Turn the other cheek, and over and over, scriptures we could give you. Let's pray for the person who's become my enemy. How they hurt me. How they robbed me from the joy of that particular experience or whatever. Quit bringing up the past all the time. We've got to realize that it happened, but we, can't, we don't need to relive it every day. Amen. We've got to ask the Lord to heal it. We've got to seek, and we've got to learn from that situation. Joseph, in the, in the Scriptures, done the, done the same thing uh, by forgiving his brothers. I mean, this guy, he, all he had was dreams. He just told his brothers about the dreams Really, when you think about it, and they got mad at him. His daddy made him a coat of many colors, the Bible says, and they got jealous. Got mad at him, took his coat, threw him in a pit, you know, sprinkled blood on the coat, took the coat back to his dad, made his dad think that this boy done been ate up, killed, all this kind of stuff. And he's in a pit. Now his brothers didn't want to kill him. And, uh, but thank, thank God that one of them had enough sense to say, hey, let's don't kill him, let's, let's sell him. There's a, there's a group of folks coming, and let, let's sell him. And they sold the poor old guy. He ended up in Egypt, some strange place in Egypt. But all along that story, when you look at that story, you see the hand of God still on old Joseph. Till, till he, was, he was second in command in Egypt. Until Potiphar's wife even one day come to him, tried to get him to, to, uh, to, to, to fall. Just happened to think about this. Did y'all see, see on Facebook old Tim Tebow? Tebow's girlfriend dumped him because he wouldn't have sex with her. Sort of like a modern day Joseph, wasn't it? Think about it. This was a Miss Universe. Beautiful lady, but no morals whatsoever. I mean, I don't know the girl, but just reading, you know, I, I don't know, I guess it's true, I don't know. Everything on the internet's true, I guess. But anyway, 
<laughs> but, I, but I looked at that, I thought, well, that's like a modern day Joe. That's what happened to Joseph. It's exactly what happened to him. And he ran away from her. This woman had him put in the, in the prison. He was second in command, but now he's in the bottom of the prison. And on and on we could go with his life. It's a, it's a wonderful story. But how God had his hand, and that's what we're talking about. He said, look, you know, remember me. He talked to the cupbearer, and, the, and, and you know, just, just remember me all the, you know, when you get up there, and, and, and those, you, you were, tell him to remember me. But God had his hand on Joseph. Joseph, he forgave his brothers. Joseph made this statement. He said, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Understand, even though God meant it for good, he still had to go through some stuff in order to get where God wanted him to go. I don't want to speak volumes to you and I tonight because we also, at times, have to go through some stuff in order to get where God wants us to go. But don't give up on God. God's got his hand upon you. God's got his hand in leading and directing your life. You may not know where you're headed, but God sees you there already. He sees you there already. He knows where you're going. But don't give up on it. Hold on to that nail-scarred hand of Christ. That's exactly what Joseph done. And he forgave his brothers, brought the whole family together, even his father. Family even moved to that land. And you know, you know the story there. One man wrote about forgiving his father when he said, he said, I begin to think of him not as somebody who deprived me of love or attention or companionship, but as someone who himself had been deprived by his father and his mother by the culture that he lived. It's interesting to look at family dynamics. I don't know if you ever thought about it. It's interesting to study family dads and grandparents you know, and, look, and look way back. Some of the, some of the way that, that you as a child was raised and how you brought up your children and how your children is bringing their children up right now. I don't know if you ever thought about that before, but, but you can see some similarities and, some, and comparisons on, you know, we, we, we have this thought that and I've I've even made the statement. Well, I'm not I'm not going to raise my children the way my dad raised me and Von and Lynn. I'm not going to do that. But Keith, there's times I look back and said, "That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm doing what what Daddy did." You've heard me say before. I walked in the bathroom and walked in front of the mirror, and I and I had to take a double take. There's my dad in that mirror. What's he doing here? You know, we, we, we begin to do those things and mimic those things. And even though we, we may not feel like we're, that we're doing what's exactly what we're doing at times. Now, there's some things probably that's changed, but there are, there are some similarities there. And when you look at the family dynamics, especially in the cases of abuse and, and uh, um, homes that, uh, that's not stable, you can see, Brother Adam, generation to generation to generation of how that family was raised, and it seemed like it's carried the same line of that curse, so to speak, down that family. And at some point in time, we've got to wake up and understand that that generational thing has to be broken. It has to stop with us. It has to stop with us, or else we carry it on to the next generation. Do you follow me? And, and, and one of the things that, that we have to look at is that area of forgiveness. I don't know, uh, Mom, you mind me telling this about your, about your dad? Uh, Mom had the same thing to happen with her years ago. This is when Dad pastored in Fayetteville, and you've probably heard him tell this story, that Mom used to have migraine headaches real bad when, when we lived in Fayetteville. I mean, I remember as a child where she would go to bed, you know, for hours and days because she couldn't, she couldn't stand light, she couldn't stand to, to, uh, to set up or anything like that. And it just, as a kid, we didn't think a whole lot about it, but I, but I remembered her doing that. But I remember as, even as a child that dad, I don't, was, it a, was it a Sunday morning? A Sunday morning that the Lord spoke to him and, and asked mom to come down wanted to pray for her. <coughs> and, and, and the Lord spoke and said, if you will forgive your father, her, her stepfather, for all the things, and I'm not going to go into all the stuff that, that he'd done to her and her sister and all of that, but if you would forgive him, he said, I'll, stop, I'll, I'll heal your migraine headaches. Now, this was one of the situations that she couldn't go face-to-face and have a talk. She couldn't do that because, she, number one, she was afraid of what he was going to do, didn't, how, didn't know how he was going to react or anything like that, but the Lord laid it upon her heart just to simply write him a letter. And she did. She sat down and she wrote a letter. Now, there's more to the story, but I'm, I'm cutting to the chase a little bit. She wrote him a letter and put a stamp on it and sent it off, Sister Carol. A few days later, was it, was it uh, uh, your mom that called or you called her? One day, they were talking. 
And, and she, was, she was telling about that, uh, that what happened when he received the letter. He got up like normal. He went to the mailbox to get the letter. He opened it up as he was walking back to the house. And about halfway from the mailbox to the house, if, I'm, if I got this right, he fell on his knees. Is that right? Fell down on the ground on his knees and just sort of stopped and had one of those, those looks on his face like, I can't believe what just took place, in other words. And, and, and it was like my grandmother said that you could see a change. Something, something gripped him, like a fear or whatever gripped his, gripped his heart. Because in that letter, she'd expressed the different things of how she's forgiving him. I forgive you for this, and I forgive you for that. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to allow you to basically keep me in bondage, in other words. I forgive you. I'm going to forgive you of these things. And from that time, God done something to that man. God changed his heart. But I can tell you as a child, I don't remember my mama having migraine headaches after that. I don't know if you've ever had one since then. But she, she stopped all of that. But forgiveness and healing begin to take place. And through a process of time, this man got saved. Hallelujah. Through a process of time, they begin to have a relationship again. Through the process of time, healing was restored in the family because of one woman's choice to listen to what the Lord said and choose to forgive. Now, I can't tell you that it's going to happen that way with you just like it happened with my mom. But I'm going to tell you this. Once you recognize that fact and you make the decision, I'm going to forgive, that's the beginning of your healing. That's the beginning of your healing. Amen. Henry Longfellow said this, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility that they have. Talking about dynamics, family dynamics. And in closing tonight, Christ, when you look at Christ, you'll never find in, in Scripture where, where he retaliated, Brother Parker. He, didn't, he never retaliated. But I did read where he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I did read where he said, don't hold, don't hold them, don't hold this charge to them. Forgive them, Lord. Satan is the real enemy. Understand that. Satan is the enemy. He is the enemy, not flesh and blood. Satan is the enemy. Spirit of lawlessness, hearts growing hard, uh, hearts growing cold, those... The, the, Satan is the, you know, he, he's the one that brings all of that. But Christ didn't retaliate. They hurled their insults at him. They done all kinds of things. They tur he turned the other cheek. He counted the cost, all of those kind of things. He went the second mile, giving me a forgiving heart, cre create in me a different picture than maybe what I have right now, Lord. That ought to be what our prayer is. Help me, Lord, to forgive. Help me, Lord, to change my attitude, my actions, all these things where I'm not going to be held bondage anymore. And it just could be, it just could be that you've not yet received your breakthrough simply because you've not chosen to forgive. Understand, it's not based on the other person. They probably actually did something to you. They probably actually did mean to hurt and harm. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about any of that. But your choice tonight, you've got to make the choice to forgive and let healing begin to take place in your life. You never know what God has in store. He could break that other person just like he broke my grandfather. And I can tell you as a child, my mom knows this, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that I'm proud about this, but it wasn't until I was in a... a I have been just the last few years, Sister Ruth, that I was able to call them grandmother and grandfather. I didn't call them that, did I, Mother? I called them Mama's Mama and Mama's Daddy. That's what we always called them when we was growing up. And I look at that now, and I, and I, and I think, well, why did I do that? And I didn't ever want to go down there and see them. I didn't want to stay with them. They didn't ever do nothing to hurt me, but it was some of the stories that I heard and, and their actions, and they're just cold and hard heartedness. I didn't want to be around it. I, I wanted to be around Granny and Papa. You see the difference there? Because Granny and Papa was loving. I didn't see love from my other grandmother and grandfather at that time when we was growing up. It wasn't love. It was control. It was, you know, hard. But Granny and Papa cooked me grits and eggs. <laughs> Granny and Papa chased me inside and outside the house. 
Granny and Papa fixed me and let me cut watermelon nine o'clock every morning. But Mama's Mama and Mama's Daddy didn't do nothing. Boy, it just hit me all of a sudden. I didn't think about that until right now. How how that we missed we missed a lot of that, and in our families, I wonder how often that we miss opportunities simply because. We choose not to forgive. And allow those, that healing to take place in our life. Allow the, the process of healing that God has set forth to take place in our life. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Let me say it one more time. It's a powerful thing. Because when you're released... From the forgiveness, from the forgive, for the forgiveness thing, I'm going to tell you, freedom comes, liberty comes in your life. It's not easy, it's not easy at all. But we've got to get to that place. We've got to get to that place in order to forgive and allow God's presence in our life. Amen. Let's let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We we honor you tonight. And I know this lesson tonight, God, is not an easy thing to hear especially when we've been offended. I know it's not easy for us to grasp the, the, what you're trying to tell us in order to forgive when that offender, oh God, has seriously hurt us to the core. But Lord, I'm asking you tonight. I'm asking you to do a healing process in our life, in our minds God, that we could choose to forgive. Understanding it's not based upon the other person, the offender. It's not based upon any of those things. But it's our own choice so that we may be free. There may be other decisions we have to make. But God, choosing to forgive is our decision. Nobody can take that from us. Nobody can make that decision for us. And the enemy would want to tell us, oh God, that we don't need to do this because you know, we, need to, we need to seem more powerful than the other person. And really, it's really the other way around. When we choose to forgive, we are more powerful than the other person. We take the authority, we take the power out of their hands. They're no, they're no longer able to hurt us because we've chosen to forgive. Now, touch your people tonight. Help us, O oh God, in our relationship with you. And we'll give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.